Welcome back to For Christ's Sake's podcast. Today we have a very special guest. I'll let you introduce him, actually. <laughs> so this is my dad. Uh, his name is Mitch, but I call him Dad. Um, yeah, he's going to be our guest today. He is uh, a fellow teacher at Central High School. That is the school that I teach at. He's been teaching there a lot longer than me. Much. Yes. He <laughs> primarily teaches uh, economics and personal finance, but... Um, he teaches a very interesting class called mm -hmm. Bible History, which when I was there, I had the pleasure of taking. Mm -hmm. And um, just, I'll let you go more in depth, but the class in general is just kind of a historical context of the Bible, not so much um, religion or the religious aspects, but literally like the history of the Bible. Um, so yeah. yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's a course that you can say it pertains to the book itself of the Bible and how we got it in our hands and the canonization process and the authors and the various authors which gives it credibility because it's not written by one person in a situation where they just were enlightened by God but all these other people were guided by God's hand to write the book and then over time that gives even more credibility because a lot of different people over a long period of time had the chance to accept the books and they had the chance to say you know these are books that mesh together and make sense together or as they critically analyzed other aspects of different books they said no these don't belong they don't make sense they weren't included and so with god's hand in it we've got the bible and so that's kind of where we start the class but then we get across the historical geographical architectural um aspects of the i mean excuse me not architectural archaeological aspects of the bible and that's a good thing for students to understand more where it falls in. If you've taken a course of world history or something, a lot of the things in the Bible come to fruition out of that. You start saying, oh, the Roman period or this period in, your, in uh, world history or another aspect. So when you're looking at it, it's really uh, a course that stays away from just simply reinforcing the aspects of uh, God being God and Jesus being his son and the savior, but it also goes more into how do humans live? How did they do that? How did the context of what they wrote about and even what Jesus talked about come out of the culture of the time? And sometimes it's hard for us as uh, modern day people to read something. And as our language is changing so fast and so quick, to read something, even if it's translated into modern day terms, we miss the meaning because we can't grasp what the culture they were trying to do. And a lot of people focus on the obvious ones of gender roles and things like that, but there's much more into it uh, than that with the historical aspect of how they lived their lives and when things happened and how they happened in the Bible. And that gives us a lot of uh, view, good Good things that make the Bible make sense. We hate for it to read it and then just not understand what in the world the author is talking about. And so this course kind of gives that depth. And that's what a lot of students like yourself have said over the years is I understand the Bible so much better now. And they've got some, they go back to their churches. And it's kind of funny when they talk to people at churches, I don't want them to try to correct preachers and things like that. <laughs> that's not cool. But uh, I want them to be able to. Hi, churchers. I want them to be able to have a chance to um, be able to share with people and say, oh, as we're studying this, the historical aspect, you know, Paul was here and this actually happened and here's where he's writing it from. And in the Old Testament, when something happens, they'll say, well, this was the culture and this is how they handled a wedding ceremony and all that. So when, it, when you read what happens, you're like, oh, that makes better sense now than just thinking randomly this situation took place and you don't really know. So that's kind of the base of the class, and I have to kind of tiptoe that line to keep it along the historical, archaeological, geographical aspects. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm missing a lot of that. Like, I've read some of the Bible. I haven't read the whole thing, like, you mm -hmm. know, in chronological order, and right. I haven't got a lot of that history piece in there. So mm -hmm. I feel like I'm just missing a the big piece of the Bible. It is hard. Yeah. It's hard to understand. And then I'll hear people, and you have to be patient because it's not common for people to go and study that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. when they make statements about the Bible and criticize the Bible and try to say, well, the Bible's not true because of this, 
they really are misquoting it and misinterpreting it based mm -hmm. on that culture. Mm -hmm. And so when they make statements, you have to qualify them by, well, yes, but let's go back. And as soon as I explain the history and the, and the cultural aspect of it, then all of a sudden you're, what you just said really doesn't make sense. And so you don't want to say that and, and be uh, condescending or mean to them. It's just that uh, when I hear critics of the Bible that, misquote things I just I get kind of it's kind of cringy and mm -hmm. kind of makes you grind your teeth a little bit but right. you just have to kind of be patient because a lot of people don't and a lot of Christians earnestly want to know mm -hmm. and so when I'm teaching Sunday school class and stuff and bring a lot of the historical you don't want to put people to sleep but at the same <laughs> no. time and you don't want to miss out on God's message he's yeah. trying to speak to our personal lives but at the same time, having that background, they can kind of nod and go, oh, that makes better sense. Mm -hmm. So how did you learn about all of that? And how did you come Ooh. to know God? And how did he okay. lead you to this class and everything? Well, that's, that's kind of interesting because I'm basically I teach economics, but I've also taught a lot of history classes. And to me, history is fascinating. Uh, Trey and, and my family always made fun of me because I'd be watching <laughs> some history channel show or some you know, the show, and they go, oh, Dad's probably watching Smithsonian Channel or something <laughs> like that. And so, and I probably was. And so to me, it's just fascinating to, to find out in history what happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just a, a, a hobby of mine. And so then as I started uh, getting into school and I met a teacher that taught Bible history, mm -hmm. I thought, wow, what a cool thing. Mm -hmm. And my dad, being a Baptist minister, he had a library of commentaries and things mm -hmm. about the Bible and the history of the Bible. So kind of one year they came to me and said, would you like to teach that? Well, that was 15 years ago when I started teaching it. And it was broken up through my 28-year teaching career. But there were about 15 or 16 years in there I've taught this class. And so you start having to say, okay, we're starting out with the history of the Bible canonization. So, you know, using resources as best I could. Because uh, back in those days, we didn't have it all in the palm of our hands on a phone. So I had to kind of go to preachers and say, hey, you know, what do you got here? What do you got there on this? I'm getting ready to teach that. And of course, once they find out why I was wanting the information, boom, they just loved it. Because they're mm -hmm. like, oh, this is cool. I can be involved. And so I got a lot of information from preachers, my dad's library of different things. and. Um, just kind of built it over the years. I was probably very shallow and not very in-depth my first couple of years, but you build. And so now you've got a plethora of resources and things that I go back and try to use. And, uh, and I'm finding out stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's the cool part. Because for me, reading the scriptures without finding any historical context or putting things that doesn't make sense. And so Bible study is so much deeper, meaningful when you get where this person was coming from when they did that. Where was Jesus coming from when he did this parable? Where was, you know, you know the creation story? When you start laying it side by side against evolution, because in my class we teach both because they're historical, and you let the kids hear it, you give both sides honestly, then the kids start going, oh, so that makes sense. That's why science says this. And it really, uh, it really gets depth to it. So for myself, and you asked about my Christian journey, growing up in a, in a preacher's home. Preacher's son, yeah, uh-oh. Yeah, and I did have those, those one, you grow up in the church, and you get saved as a young age, and, and you think, okay, I've made that decision, and then you become human, and yeah. you start wandering, and I had a friend called it the wilderness years, and you know, you go through those years where you don't exactly follow Christ in the way you should. You don't live your life in the way you should. You're not really helping um, Christ's kingdom that much. Mm -hmm. And so you go through those years and you come out the other side and it's like, uh, you know, Christ said, you know, teach them in the way they should go. And my parents did. And they said they will never drift too far. They will come mm -hmm. back to it. Well, that's what happened to me. I went out and then came back to it. And then uh, as I got to be a young adult out of college and so I started understanding that you know my relationship with Christ is much more important than just saying I'm saved and have some fire insurance you know I'm not going to hell well that's not good enough and so I started understanding that the way I live my life and the way I uh, try
others, it's much more important. So I even changed careers and got into coaching, college coaching, high school coaching, because of that. It wasn't, I made those decisions and Christ just came and found me. I think I, God guided me that way and mm -hmm. said, here's what you need to do. You're floundering around, stop, and let's go this way. So in my early 20s, he got me out of private business and got me into college coaching and then busted into high school coaching, got married to my beautiful wife, Carol. And Aww. so, so, <laughs> and so it, it just, everything has come together. And you see, when you look back on things, you kind of go, that's what God was trying to tell me. Yeah. And so that's kind of where my journey's come is I had a good foundation, obviously, and had some great parents that showed me what a life in, uh, in Christ is like and what it should be. But then also you come back to it and go, okay, I understand how you work this in my life. And, uh, and it's been enriching because of that. Yeah, I know your class had a, a big impact on me just getting that knowledge to kind of go with mm -hmm. the church knowledge because, you know, you are a preacher, but kind of that same mm -hmm. upbringing of always being in the church, but having that contextual um, evidence to go with it mm -hmm. really made a big deal. I know, the one thing I always like to say is it's something I learned from your class is, you know, why did Jesus have to be a guy? Right. And it's because the, the social hierarchy back mm -hmm. then, men were more important yeah. than women it's yeah. bad to say it's just kind of yeah. <laughs> how yeah. it was back then but but you don't know that unless you have the social context mm -hmm. from how it was back yeah. then but and for uh, him to call his father that abba father and so that's what he called on you know and now he had his mom and he loved his mom but he knew who his heavenly father was and that trumped it all which you put it in context of being a son with a mother and you know how this feels and you couldn't imagine look at your mom going I love you but that's what Jesus did mm -hmm. he said I love you but my father in heaven is trumps it all yeah. and that's uh, that's pretty interesting what you just said that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah. I know you, you mentioned some materials uh, one of the best materials that I found outside of your class is uh, A Case for Christ oh yeah that's a Fantastic book. If you mm. haven't and read movie. it, it is also a movie. <laughs> also a movie, but um, it, it's it's fantastic. If you haven't read it, go read it. It's a great read. But mm -hmm. um, talk about how you kind of tiptoe that line between mm -hmm. religion and historical mm -hmm. context. Because I, I know it's hard. Mm -hmm. It can, or can be hard sometimes teaching a class using a religious text mm -hmm. but also not really making it a religious class right mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's uh, that's the beauty of it because once you start looking at the Bible and you start looking at is it really true then it becomes a mm -hmm. whole historical document as soon as you say oh no this is mythological these are great little tales and fables and stuff written it loses that. But as soon as you start really investigating the Bible, it is a historical document because as a, as a follower of Christ, I believe that it is true. And as yeah. soon as you can believe that God had a son, he died, and hundreds of people recognize that, other people died for the, for the belief that he did resurrect from the dead and he is the true our God, mm -hmm. then if you take that, then you start backing up and the Bible becomes pretty easy to believe because if you start with that premise, you go that far with your faith, then you know saying that he created the world, not real hard. And then when you see all the facts that line up, so as you, as you said, teaching as a historical document makes perfect sense to me. It's just logical that mm -hmm. it's true. That way it, it happened in history, just like you said. And there's, there's authors outside the Bible that prove that these events happen. Um, so as a teacher, though, I have to say, well, I can't guide a student's faith. That's not right. I can't, I can't push a kid to believe a certain thing. So I always leave it, as you remember in the class, open-ended, here's the evidence, you decide. The second thing is that if I'm in a classroom and a student asks me a direct question, then I have every right to answer the question mm -hmm. to their you know, satisfaction. 
so when a student asks me a question, sometimes as a teacher, you've taught it enough, you kind of anticipate these questions after this lesson are getting ready to come up. And so when they do, I have to start, you know, answer them in a way that says, well, as a Christian believer or as a non-Christian, and you start doing it, you will delve into those areas. You will go right into them, and the kids are interested. Now, you don't want to say, here's how you need to believe or here's that. Mm -hmm. That's wrong. But uh, I always let God carry the day. Because if you remember, his mission to his disciples was not go make these people believe. He said, simply present it to them, and if they turn you away, then you dust the, or shake the dust off your sandals and leave the town. It's not your job to make mm -hmm. God work. God will work. All you do is simply present it out there. So when I'm in the class, I don't try to make the kids try to believe something or not. I just I just stay according to what the state law says, which is you present it, and then if a kid ever asks me a question, which they invariably do at certain points, then I answer it. And then I'll have kids sometimes coming back to class and privately start asking me even more questions, and I'm able to talk to them about their faith then in a much more earnest way because, again, we're now one-on-one, -on -one and they're asking legitimate questions that's coming from God, maybe touching their heart or something. And so that you feel encouraged mm -hmm. about, that you feel good about. And um, have a lot of kids over the years with that being the case, that you taught me this and it made me think and I went and investigated this and I feel like God's touched my life. Yeah, I feel like that's so important what you're doing because like even if they're just hearing what you're saying, you're not allowed to, or they don't ask questions or anything, mm -hmm. They will probably go home and like oh, yeah. look that up mm -hmm. and get in the word or yeah. just do a Google search and like yes. start learning about it and be like, oh, this is true. Right. And then mm -hmm. that'll spark their faith or they'll ask you questions mm -hmm. and you're very knowledgeable and you obviously teach the class too. <laughs> and so you can provide them with answers that lead them to the Lord without pushing it on oh, them because it's okay. obviously up to each person individually to make that decision mm -hmm. to believe in God and stuff. But I feel like that's so important that you have this class where you can talk to others and teach mm -hmm. others about him without like directly, you know, mm -hmm. doing that, um, going around it, but doing yeah. it at the same time, if that makes and, sense. And that's something that we're really working on because like you said, uh, the opportunity is there and now you see in schools it's narrowing down mm -hmm. because we're shifting in school's curriculum. Yeah. And so now they're almost pushing it away as an option in the schools because they say, mm -hmm. well, we have to have room for these other courses, which I fully understand but you're very hurt that a class that the kids like they, they mm -hmm. i had um, we had an open house the other night and had two parents that the course is off the schedule for this year and they were really concerned why and their kids mm -hmm. were too and that was kind of encouraging that kids really want yeah. something like that and so we i'm going to present to the principal again and say hey you know could you really offer it next year and be open to, to, to open it up for next year yeah. i know i didn't have that in mm -hmm. high school, do a lot of people mm -hmm. have that or in Knox no? County? We have quite a few. I've been doing it the longest because I'm old, <laughs> but um, we uh, we've had quite a few teachers. Matter of fact, um, I met probably 10 out of the 15 high schools okay. have it, and then whether they still do that was two or three years ago. We had mm -hmm. a meeting of the Bible history teachers, but whether they still do or not, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. not, you know, some will have it and re, re up the course, and some will. Do other courses in its place and those kind of things. Yeah, I know uh, among the the school, their reviews on your economics and personal finance class are, are relatively mixed, <laughs> but it, it is is a pretty large consensus really enjoy your Bible history class. Cool. And I know uh, I enjoyed taking it, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of people did as well. Good. Yeah, I'll ask him questions all the time about the Bible, and he. Tells me the answer right away. Yeah, he says it's lot, from your class. A lot of it's from your class. <laughs> Everything. It really is. I'm reading through it right now in chronological order mm -hmm. through this thing called the Bible Recap on the Bible app. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like it is coming together as mm -hmm. one story. And I'm like, yes. oh, okay. But I guess you said there's other materials you read as well. What are some you suggest to people? Uh, a lot of commentaries. Um, I would go and look up. Uh, the book he mentioned is one, but um, I mean, I used everything from the Broadman Bible commentaries to Herschel Hobbes has got a lot of good stuff. Um, I 
And then there's a Bible app that says where in the Bible. And then once mm -hmm. you go into that, you start seeing that they're telling you how it happened in the Bible if you go on that app or, or and just look up or that website, I should say, website where in the Bible. And you say, where did this, you know, where does it say, talk about this topic? And mm -hmm. then it gives it to you. And within that, there'll be some references of sources for them. And then you click, you know, just mm -hmm. kind of one hand okay. keeps feeding the other as you go through it. Um, because I've just been eclectic over the years, just pulling things from wherever I can find yeah. it. How did you like first get into reading the Bible? How did you first read the Bible? How's that changed now? Oh wow, yeah. Um, <laughs> if you remember that far? Yeah, it, uh, it was a kid. It was a kid, and, and uh, again, my parents were awesome at um, you know making sure as a preacher's kid you're there. Yeah. But then also they would. My mom would come through on Saturday evening and say, "Okay, have you studied your Sunday school lesson?" And I'd say, "Well, okay," because back in those days you had your little quarterly. And you know you kept went you know lesson by lesson by lesson, and she'd say you studied your Sunday school lesson. So we'd get out the Bible, we'd do that, and then my mom would read some at different occasions to us. And uh, so it was kind of an early, and then you'd see your dad, your mom reading the Bible. Then you kind of go, oh, this is important. Mm -hmm. And you may not do it as a kid, as a teenager, but as years go on, you start going, oh, okay. And so it becomes just kind of a natural way to understand things. And like you said, you start reading the story, mm -hmm. and you get into the story, and you start going, oh, so that's what that really means. And then when you find neat little things in the Bible that are interesting that you never knew were there, and you go, well, that's, that's pretty cool now. Mm -hmm. I understand that. And then you start cross-referencing, like, for instance, the Gospels. The Gospels are so unique to each other. We call them synoptic, but mm. And then you got John over here out in left field. But you start reading across and getting the different accounts. And some people say, well, that proves it wasn't true. Well, it's the exact opposite. Mm. Because one of the things that Lee Strobel said in his book, because he was a lawyer, a law writer, that um, if you get corroborating evidence that's exact and every single person saying exactly the same thing, it's probably not true. Because they've gotten their stories right. Mm -hmm. But if you get it where he's a little bit different, but it's the same theme as this one who gave me some different details, mm -hmm. and this one gave me some other details a little different, they're probably telling the truth. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of interesting to uh, to read it and then start meshing together. So even when you're teaching a Sunday school lesson about this one theme, you can pull stuff from different parts of the Bible, and it makes it so as you read it chronologically through the mm -hmm. story, you'll start seeing, I think that's what you're saying, is you're seeing yeah. that. Yeah, there's a little, like, podcast that goes with it each day, and so it kind of, like, you know, lets you know where you're supposed to be going, but you're supposed to, like, read it first mm -hmm. so you can kind of understand it in your mind first and mm -hmm. then get a little correction or direction from mm -hmm. that. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. It is. It is. And uh, it really starts making the stories come alive and make sense mm -hmm. when you go back and say, oh, well, Isaiah said this, and then Jesus said that. That's what that means. Okay, and then yeah. um, even from Genesis to Exodus, you know, when they start talking and they pull things across, you go, oh, that's what that, that's why they did it that way. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I know, like, reading the Bible and getting the context has been great for me. It seems to be working wonders for you as you're, as you're going through it, but yeah. a lot of regular churchgoers, they don't really ever get that context because... Mm -hmm. When you go to church, it's a lot more on the religious side mm -hmm. versus the class is a lot more on the historical mm -hmm. side. Where do you see like the the meshing or the crossover? That the pastor has to pick and choose because you're going to lose some people if you simply just hammer away at the historical of it and the cultural of it and mm -hmm. all that. People start to have. <laughs> That'd be me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's true. And that's, you know, there's no problem with that. It's just. I'd be sitting there fascinated, and then yeah. you know, um, the preacher may start talking about a certain place that something happened, and then all of a sudden he gives you the background of it, and you start going, oh, that makes more sense why it was there. And then now what happened is more enriched because we understand why the disciples were there or why Jesus mm -hmm. was there. But then if you're a preacher, you know, God's charged you to present his word and if he doesn't lay it on your heart to really give a lot of that, then it's kind of hard 
Um, but I think I do blend. I think if more preachers um, weren't afraid to spend more time saying, okay, here's the background of this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also, it's kind of like a preacher said uh, a Sunday or so ago in, in, his, in his sermon. He said uh, that, you know, if you don't preach early in your career out of the New Testament, it's going to be a struggle. And so a lot of them focus on such in the New Testament and what Jesus is like and his, the Old Testament kind of tends to mm-hmm. get ignored. Yeah. And you don't want it to be ignored because it enriches, it cross-references. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that's, that takes time. And so a lot of times in a 15, 20-minute sermon, they may not be able to have time to do that. So yeah. I don't want to say preachers are ignoring it or anything like that. That's not the truth at all. It's just, uh, it's a tough blend and it takes a good experienced pastor to say, okay, now I can take time to do this and then still get this over and mix it all together. Uh, I had a preacher, uh, Larry Taylor, years ago and uh, when I was in high school and he was awesome at that. He would teach you, you know, do the background stuff. Mm-hmm. And But when I can remember, as, a, as like you said, as a... As a person sitting in the pews, it was almost like, come on, let's, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> let's get there. And so you tend to have to focus more and stay with him more. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I think it's harder. But uh, I think in, in churches, if you can find um, people with the resources, like you said, or people that you know can get that, um, it's great for a Sunday school class and stuff. Mm-hmm. It can be interesting. Yeah. to offer it and say, even of all ages, come and take this on a Wednesday or even Sunday morning or some other time of the week to say, you know, let's do a Bible history kind of look. Yeah, yeah I remember uh, at Smithwood with Dr. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Love him to death. Yes. But but the Greek and Hebrew translation, <laughs> like, that is not what a, what a 10-year-old wanted to say <laughs> and yeah. listen to. But, but more to your point, uh, Going on in my last semester was at Carson Newman, which is a mm-hmm. Christian university, so I had to take the um, Old Testament and New Testament classes. Mm-hmm. And the, I see that more relating. I mean, it wasn't like Sunday school there, but right. how that could easily translate to a Sunday school class in mm-hmm. that, you know, we, we could sit there and a whole class period, you know, we're talking about, you know, prophecies in the, mm-hmm. in the, the prophet section of the Old mm-hmm. Testament, whereas... You know, if you're giving a sermon, like, you can't spend that much time Mm-mm. on just, you know, prophecies and stuff. Right. But in a class, you know, we talk about, you know, the structure of the Bible and mm-hmm. how it's, you know, all set up and stuff. And you can really get more in depth. And I see that being easier to translate more to a Sunday school class right. than right. a full sermon mm-hmm. to a congregation. Exactly. And that's where churches would have to find somebody that's willing to tackle that if they don't mm-hmm. have the staff big enough and... The preacher would be, be laid on him, and this might be something he wants to tackle on a Wednesday night, and you don't know how it would go with certain mm-hmm. churches or whatever, if the congregation is you know willing to dig into that or not. And so it, it's, a, it's challenging, but um, I think for Christian faith, it really deepens it quite a bit mm-hmm. when you start understanding what the, what the context was around the scripture that you're reading. Yeah, I think my preacher back home, he does a good job of that, because mm-hmm. he'll like he'll have the verses up on the screen, you know, but before he gets in that, he'll say a little bit of the background and historical context and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And I'm able to understand that verse more and then how it translates to his message. And he like engages everybody, makes it fun, you know, so you get like the best of both worlds. So I think that's been really important for my faith in it growing Mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, and I've been reading the Bible and, um, I kind of changed my mindset because, in this Bible recap I'm doing, it was like, don't read the Bible for your benefit. Like, read it to learn about God and see His heart mm-hmm. and stuff. So I've been doing that, too, and I'm like, whoa, like, that's crazy. So with the historical context, I mean, I'm sure you're able to see just so much more of God throughout yeah. the whole Bible as well, well. It's like looking back on your life. If y'all are even as young as you are, look back on your life and you go, I didn't understand why I went through this and why I went through this. Mm-hmm. Why does God not help me here? And then as you start understanding the way God talks about what's important to us mm-hmm. is so minor 
You know, we want the perfect body. We want the perfect house, the perfect cars and things Mm -hmm. like that. And God just would look at you. And if you read him, he talks about how minor that is. Yeah. And we're all guilty of it though. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's our culture. Oh yeah. And so when you start, like you said, you start reading it into a, I'm going to read this to see what God's saying back. Mm -hmm. Not just reading this for my enjoyment or knowledge or what have you. Yeah. As soon as you do that. Then you start seeing, oh, I see what he's telling us here. He's really saying, don't worry about that stuff. You know, Matthew 6 is don't worry about that stuff. <clears throat> and for us, it's stressville. I mean, we go there all the time. That's me. You know, don't, you don't stress, have to look stress, at me. Stress, oh, now, don't do that. I'll, I'll share some stories about you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't need to yeah. do that. <laughs> Well, I have to have a part too. <laughs> there you go. And so we, we do that, and, and that's very normal. That's very common, mm-hmm. and we need to forgive ourselves as humans for delving into that because God tries to tell us, look, that's so minor. Calm down. You'll be okay. Just keep doing what I teach you to do. Have faith. Follow me. Do what I teach you. You'll be fine. And so if you look at all the stories, I mean, the most famous for high school kids, if you remember, is Joseph. Joseph was 17 and sold into slavery. It didn't go well for him for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you see the outcome. So he had to go through a lot of years of constantly believing and things not going well. And you say, well, how can a loving God do that? Well, yeah, he, God doesn't sit here and go, I love you, so here's a perfect life. That's not the way that works. Mm-hmm. And so God says, I love you. We're going to get through this, and mm-hmm. then on the other side, I'm going to use you to help this and this and do these things. Yeah. And uh, and then ultimately, you're going to be with me forever. Mm-hmm. So that's a heck of a reward. Yeah. So, and if everything was perfect in our lives, we wouldn't feel like we needed him. We're so. not puppets. Yeah, we're not puppets. He didn't just say, let me control you. You know, He said, you've got free will. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he gives you that, there's mistakes because you know oh, yeah. yeah. Most of the time it's our fault, yeah. Exactly. And so uh, that's that's kind of the beauty of it for us to mess up continually. Uh, my wife and I were talking about that today, you know. Mm-hmm. That's life. We mess up and yeah. we do that. And then we come back to God and say, okay, I'm repenting. Let me try again. And, you know, you encourage me. You show me the way. Lead me. And then I'll go out and step out again. And we just keep getting up and trying again, even though every day we, we uh, fail. And that's just, yeah. that's the bad and the good of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know she was reading Job mm-hmm. and the story of Job, which mm-hmm. it, it kind of goes along the same thing. Job was at a you know, really good point and oh, then yeah. was at a very, very bad point. Yeah. And then it, it ended up being okay. But another thing is, you know, life's going to go bad mm-hmm. at some point. And, like, Job never lost faith in no. God. Uh-uh. But Job was also mad at God. Yes. Mm. And those those are, are, are they're, they're, you can be both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you can have faith and even doubt. Yeah. Um, I'm watching this, uh, my wife and I are watching this series called The Chosen. I want to watch that. we got to watch it. <laughs> oh, it, it's really good. And it, it does stay fairly close. I mean, it's not like some TV things you see... Noah's Ark, and then a rowboat comes up there, and you know, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, this is not cool. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> but this one stays pretty close, and it focuses on the disciples, the chosen, mm. and how imperfect they are. Oh, yeah. Because if you just read the Bible, you do get some of that, but as you watch it, you start going, okay, so number one, Jesus had a personality. Which to me has always been a topic I've searched for and tried to research and find out. Because the Bible, ancient writers, and then I'm going to his historical lesson. (laughs) I'm going to doze off. I'm just kidding. Historical (laughs) writers didn't write like we do today. We write today for details. You know, it's not enough to say, well, this car wreck happened. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, who was in it? How did it happen? Mm-hmm. Well, who was at fault? How much was sued for? But we got, we just want every little minute detail. Well, back then, that's all they would have said was, uh, so-and-so got survived a car wreck. That's all it would say. Mm-hmm. And so that was good enough because it proved the point. Every story in the Bible is written to, prove, to get to a point. It's not written to give you all these details. So when you read Jesus' 
you start looking at Jesus' life, there's just glimpses. What's the point? Well, he was the son of God. So when it starts out telling you about how he was born, and then it jumps to him as 12, and then it mm -hmm. jumps again. Oh, I'm sorry, it skipped the part where he goes to the temple and he gets circumcised. And the people there were waiting on it. So it starts getting you to understand, this is pretty special, but let's go move ahead. And then it mm -hmm. jumps, and you only get little glimpses. But then you figure out that, you know, the disciples were kind of the same way. They had lives. Mm, yeah. There was lives mixed in there that we don't know about. All we see is names and some of the ones more talked about. And so when you when you see Thomas coming up, and, and the reason he doubted was because he's like us. He goes, prove it. I don't know mm -hmm. if that's true or not. That's not bad. Thomas was that's just part of his personality. That's okay. Mm -hmm. We have to understand that what we bring to God, He already knows. Mm -hmm. Here's a here's one that I've been pondering. It's been on me a lot. Is He had to sit there, bring Judas in to be one of the twelve, knowing the outcome, mm -hmm. and love him the whole time. Sorry, <laughs> you got a lot to say right? about that. I know. <laughs> that's what's amazing to me. And so mm, as I yeah. keep, as we saw it in the show, and then it keeps dawning on you that Jesus knew, like one time in the show, and I don't want to start giving away the show, but uh, you can watch it and all that, but at one time, mm. he uh, he healed a person, turned around started to walk off, and the person didn't realize they were healed. Mm. So he was walking away. And uh, and when he gets a few steps away, the person goes, <gasps> he goes, there it is. It was a cool scene showing mm -hmm. Jesus' face, walking away from somebody over his shoulder. The person realized, I'm healed. And he went, there it is. Mm -hmm. And he turned around, looked at him and said, your faith made you healed. And the person was like, oh, cool. And he started dancing <laughs> around and he'd been healed from his leg injury. And so that kind of gives you a concept that Jesus knew all that. He had the full power of God. Mm -hmm. And he still attracted all these people around him that had infirmities, personality issues, other issues, um, cultural problems. Roman tax collector was in his group, along with a zealot who tried to kill those people. So, you know, he had all this mix of people, and he used them for great things. We're the same way. Mm -hmm. We're exactly the same way. And so we have to be really nice to ourselves and understand God loves us, but he also understands our imperfections at the same time. But he also knows the problem is what we can do. Mm -hmm. yeah. See, that's like trying to coach. And you say, well, I believe this guy can do it. No, God knows what that guy can do. Right. <laughs> There's two different worlds. Right. And so uh, it's it's really cool to start putting out context. So, yes, I highly recommend that series. And I'm watch, waiting for the next episode to pop tonight. So then we can, once Ooh. it drops, then we're going to jump on the next episode. So what episode are you on? We're in season three. Okay. So, yeah, so <laughs> kind of circling back to the historical context, and you mentioned some of the disciples. I think it's easy for people to say, "Okay, uh, Saul the Paul mm -hmm. killed and persecuted." Oh, yeah. I mean, that's bad. But if, like, like the like Mark the tax collector, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, <laughs> you got <laughs> it. I don't want to mess up. Doubting yourself. Yeah, Matthew, Matthew. Matthew. Sorry, Matthew. Oh, Matthew. just kidding. Okay. Yeah, all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew. But like we think, you know, a tax collector. We don't know what that is. But back in the historical context, tax collectors like really hated people. Like really <laughs> yes. hated people. And, and that's just an interesting fact that without that contextual knowledge, you don't get that mm -mm. facet of the story. Mm -hmm. That he actually had to cheat people in order to pay the next level up and when they collected from him the local tax collector the regional and then find to the national every level had to cheat mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you were expected to give them so much and to give them so much you're expected to get so much for you and so they were hated because rome imposed taxes at will and people don't understand that rome actually had 40 50 percent of their uh, country was on a welfare program at the height of its uh, peak of its economic power, but then it declined after that, and that was part of the problem. But anyway, you're collecting more and more taxes to make that system work. And so <laughs> Matthew was hated, and then all of a sudden he's walking in the door, and Jesus is going, 
hey, everybody, here's Matthew. And the other ones are looking at him like, ugh. Yeah. And they don't like him. And then you got Simon the Zealot, not Simon Peter, obviously, but Simon the Zealot. When people read Zealot, they go, oh, he was a fanatic for Christ. In a way, he was. He was a Jew. But the Zealots were actually, for lack of a better term, almost like um, mercenaries or people that wanted to physically harm others. And so he trained for that. And so Matthew would have been one of his targets. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, putting those guys together constantly, they had to kind of figure out what Jesus' real message was, love each other. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so hard yeah. because we want, as humans, we put conditions on it. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, get rid of that. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. why he kind of changed the way uh, the culture was because the Roman culture was so deep in hierarchies and I love you only if you're on my level and I do only for you yeah. if you can do for me and Jesus breaking all that down and uh, and then if you understand the Jewish view of what Jesus was going to be and what they all expected and he wasn't mm-hmm. that blew their minds mm-hmm. so yeah it, the disciples had to go through all this stuff because they had been brought up and trained in and around if they weren't Jews, they were trained around. If they were Jews, it was really hard to understand that he, when they say, yeah, he's the Messiah, he's the real deal. Well, he never got to be the military guy they thought he was going to be. Mm-hmm. So that's, Jesus had to really mm-hmm. preach that and teach them and bring them along. And some of them until the bitter end never got it. And then they weren't until after he was resurrected. Mm-hmm. And then they went, oh, I got you now. So how important was it that he did use those disciples who had had a bad history mm-hmm. and you know done mm-hmm. terrible things and stuff, but mm-hmm. he used them for his good and to spread mm-hmm. the word. And we're yes. still reading about them till yeah. this day. Like, yeah. how important was that? It was important because <laughs> Jesus always talked about making it to where anybody could understand. Mm-hmm. And this is, they had a more segmented society than we have. It's hard for us to, envi- you know, really envision that. Um, when you say the word Samaritan, people go, oh, that was that nice guy. To a Jew, the Samaritans were dirt. They were people you just looked down on and just did not like. It always goes back to the time the the exile and the bringing back. And then those people are the ones that never were exiled. And so when the people came back, they had really made a nice life. And then they had differences of where... We really need, they didn't believe in Jerusalem as the true place. They thought that, you know, their place they had made their capital is the way you worship. And I, so there was a lot of problems between the Jews and Samaritans, so they couldn't stand each other. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus said, we're going to love them anyway. And he sent disciples into Samaria to preach. Then he, you know, Paul, you mentioned him a little while ago. That was awesome because Paul, where he came from as a Pharisee and a Roman, kept him alive and made him understand things later that were perfect what he tried to do in his mission. So yeah, Jesus was was awesome at taking these people with these eclectic backgrounds and using them because every single one of them in their situation was the right thing to have to preach to those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's even one disciple that you know said, why haven't you healed me? And he said, imagine you healing others while you're inflicted yourself. That's love. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's what I want him out there. Well, after he goes through that conversation, then the disciple kind of goes, oh, okay. Don't like it, but understand it now. Mm-hmm. And so that's why when people start you know, saying, you know, how's God going to use me? Or, you know, we need a loving God to cure all these issues and all that. Mm-hmm. He put us out here to do it. And he said, I'm with you. You follow me. You do what you're supposed to do. And I'll take care of the rest. But you've got to do what you're supposed to do. And so um, it's interesting to see as you study it and the personalities of the disciples come out and uh, how they each didn't always mesh. They argued like crazy. Uh, Feeding the 5,000 was hilarious when Jesus just said, y'all go feed them. And they all started <laughs> fighting among themselves quickly. Like, we got like 5,000 people. We only have two fishes. What are we going to do? That ain't right. We got to go buy this. How are we going to do that? And then Jesus said, bring your fishes. 
<laughs> just let them. He's, he played a joke on them. He just yeah. he said, let them just argue. And he said, he said, finally said, okay, just bring me the fish. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of this. And that shows, you know, that they were human where they were. And God used them so well, just like using us. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, or a lot of times, we underestimate his ability to mm-hmm. do stuff. Like, mm-hmm. he does so much. He moves the mountains and yes. makes the waves go mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. rises this rises the sun that yes. doesn't even sound right you know what uh, i'm saying well, that's what said in joke. literally everything yeah that's what yeah. i'm reading right now oh, so it's like yeah. fresh in my head and i'm like he oh, does yeah. all that and then he still has time for each of us like oh. individually and it's like what that's <laughs> like what that's love amazing. right there you're exactly right because that's where job was remember he was kind of challenging god like i'm good you shouldn't be getting on me i can't i don't even think mm-hmm. so he was defending himself against his three real friends which is a joke and then yeah. you turn around and he's saying all this to God. And if you remember, God kind of comes back and goes, my turn to speak. Almost literally, he mm-hmm. says, now it's my turn. And then there's like two chapters in Job where, for lack of a better term, God talks smack. He goes, like you said, you very well said, I moved the mountain. I put the mountains here. I told the seas where to stop. I did this. Yeah. You know, people can bark all they want to about the seas rising and all that. Okay. We're talking inches and feet. He did it by the whole earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're still there. They're still where he stopped them. And yeah. so, you know, and, and he put everything in place. He talked about the animals. Were you there when I named? Were you there when I did this? Were you there when I did that? And by the time you get finished, Job is feeling like he's this tall going, <laughs> okay, I got your point. Yeah. And so I think you're right. I think it's where if you really are open to it, God will show you that all you got to do is trust. Just mm-hmm. trust me because I got this. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. You know. Yeah. Sometimes we want to control, which is I'm a very victim of a lot. I want to control things. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite Bible verse is Second Chronicles 20:15. It's like, <clears throat> for the battle is not yours but God's. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, that's I right. think I have to fight something by mm-hmm. myself, but no, like he's right there fighting it for me and doing mm-hmm. all this other stuff mm-hmm. every day. Yep. Just let it go. Yeah. Let it That's go. True. Do what you're supposed to do and do it to follow him and it'll be fine. Yeah. So I think, you know, kind of tying everything together, you know, yeah. the, the historical context is a great backing, but, you know, if you're at home and, and you've never really tried to delve into it, like it is a, it is a, a big undertaking. Mm-hmm. So kind of, how would you kind of direct mm-hmm. someone new that mm-hmm. maybe doesn't have a class available to take right. or whatever? Like, how would you kind of say, okay, go in this direction first and then just kind mm-hmm. of let that take you? Topics. I think uh, y'all said it best. Um, it's like you said, in my reading, I've now seen this and now seen that. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned a book. So uh, with the beauty of the internet in your hand and your smartphone or whatever you've got, if you've got mm-hmm. your computer at home, just to be able to, as you get into a scripture and you start saying, I wonder what this is all about. <clears throat> then you go and uh, you can go to sites like Where in the Bible or just simply ask the question, uh, what does it mean when they talk about a wedding feast? And then it gives you the whole thing, talking about it, how long it was and the groom. And, the, and that's where Jesus was invited to the water. And he turned the water into wine and, you know, how did that happen? You know, why did that happen? And you start just getting, you'll see one source leads you to another. And uh, that's where I would start. I wouldn't try to say, okay, get me a whole Bible commentary series. over mm. the, That's too much. It's too overwhelming. So I would just do it topic by topic. And that's the beauty of having computers today and the Internet. You can go in there and just get some good quality sites that will answer your questions. And uh, I would double check. I wouldn't go to one site and say, well, this is the only thing to ever read. I would try mm-hmm. to, you know, maybe get a reference as you ask a question, at, you know, get two or three references. And then is it consensus says about the same thing? You know, that's about the truth. And uh, that's where I would start. Uh, just little small things. And then as you get more sources and you start getting a little more experienced at it, then you start seeing, okay, I'm going to now get into the culture of the Jewish tradition in the Old Testament as they settled and maybe got into the judges period, or maybe they got into the kings period, you know, what was, and then if you want to go to New Testament, you know, is the Roman influence in the, has, you know, in the inner biblical period, the Hasmonean dynasty, you know, what, 
Hasmonean or Hasmonia, however you want to pronounce it, dynasty. Um, what was that about? Um, and so you kind of hit those little topics and just start researching them just a little. Don't get overwhelmed and you know yeah. dig too deep. Take it little by little, and I think you'll be fine. Okay. Well, I have one more question. I'm kind of going to put you on the spot a little bit, uh, but <laughs> are you nervous? <laughs> okay. So if somebody's watching who does not believe in God or is kind of mm-hmm. curious, you know, they're kind of like, okay, maybe I do, whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for them? Um, the person that's on the fence, um, I would um, probably start reading in the New Testament. Um, you know, you can start Genesis. You know, but I would, um, again, you can do it on your smartphone. There's all kinds. Biblica is a good Bible app, but you, if you don't have a Bible, that's fine. And um, what I would do is start reading in the Gospels and, um, and just start reading about, you know, where the history came from, where did Jesus come from, and then start understanding that this is written where the people you're reading their books, especially the Gospels, they were all put to death for believing what they wrote. Not many people are going to stick with a lie yeah. to yeah. the point of dying. They're not. I mean, if you lied about it just to make it true, you probably won't do that. So I would read some of those things. Um, I think you uh, mentioned a great book, uh, Corinthians. You know, that's a good one. It talks about different aspects. But just to say, what is Jesus? I would try to start reading through the Gospels and read what he taught, where he came from. It's not going to give you a lot about, like we said before, it's not going to give you a lot of, here was his life biography. But it will give you a lot of basis for what did he believe. And once you read it, you start realizing that he died loving us. He lived his whole life for one purpose, and that's us. And that as he died for us, it gives us a true God to believe in, a true God to give our lives to, and he forgives our sins. So we don't have to shoulder and bring along all that heavy uh, guilt and resentment through our life. We can give it to him. And Mm -hmm. as he's working in your life, as you start believing, yeah. And you start saying, I do understand, and I believe in God. Then you'll feel him working. You'll feel mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit come in. And uh, But it's going to take baby steps. It's not like everybody go out and read a certain chapter and it's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's like you said. If somebody's trying to inquire, I like to find out about you know God and find out about Jesus. That's where I would kind of start in the Gospels. Okay. Well, thank you so much for oh, being on sure. here last minute. It's my but... <laughs> honor. It's just a privilege y'all asked me. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. This is a great thing y'all do in the podcast. Okay. Thanks for teaching Trey all this stuff, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see y'all next time.